Perception. Perception is reality. Reality. Perception is reality. Reality. Some talk shows think all of their opinions are right. This one, this one knows they are. This is Perception is Reality. Christopher H. Bilbury is a no-nonsense, well, maybe a little bit of nonsense, political activist, local government watchdog, and all-around good Hoosier and God-fearing American citizen. Is this guy for real? Holding lawmakers accountable and educating citizens on the importance of participating in their local government with a dab of national and world politics and a little pop culture and maybe some real-life common sense. This, this is, is Perception is Reality. And this is Christopher H. Bilbury. All right, it's great to be here this evening. We are finally to the Republican Forum put on at Muncie Northside High. The Democrats met back on the 19th, have their forum, and for them to all appear on the same stage. At the Democrat Forum, we had four candidates. During tonight's Republican Forum, we're going to only be talking with three candidates. Those three Republican candidates are Dan Ridenour, Nate Jones, and Tom Bracken. These are the three Republican candidates that will be appearing on the Republican ballot. Well, either currently now, while you are early voting, or on Election Day in just a couple weeks on Tuesday, May 7th. It'll be interesting to see how these three candidates play off one another. At the Democrat Forum, there was a little bit of contention between two of the candidates, Andrew Dale and Harry Witt Bailey, shared a little bit of back and forth. And it'll be interesting to see how these Republican candidates tonight play off one another and if anything is said between any of the three it's been fairly quiet so far but if you've been looking at social media at least the supporters of both sides have been appearing to be a little agitated as of late and it'll be interesting to see how that plays over into tonight's forum as you all may recall Back a couple weeks ago, I did the candidate interviews with all of these gentlemen. Of the nine total mayoral candidates, seven candidates sat down with me. Of those seven, all three of these gentlemen did interviews with me. So we know what they say one-on-one, and it'll be interesting to hear how they play off one another. So... Let's sit back and listen to the forum, and uh, we'll see what goes on from here. Again, you're listening to Perception is Reality, and this is your host, Christopher Bilbury, as we're getting ready to listen to the Muncie Republican candidates for mayor as they share a stage together and speak at this forum put on at Northside Middle School. 
So sit back and uh, let's uh, see where this evening goes. This is the Community Spotlight, where Bill Bree looks directly at a community in need of a bit closer examination. In the words of Tip O'Neill, all politics is local, and we're about to get local. My name is Nate Parker. I am the Decatur County Prosecutor and Decatur County Republican Party Chair. Uh, in addition, I have the honor of serving as your 6th District uh, Republican Party Vice Chairman. And I am honored to be hosting tonight on behalf of the Delaware County Republican Party, hosting tonight's mayoral candidate debate. Thank you for being here this evening. After we begin here in a moment with the pledge and the national anthem, uh, we will go over some ground rules and description of how the evening will proceed. So at this time, if you'll join me, rise your feet, place your hand over your heart, and pledge allegiance, and then remain standing for the national anthem. I pledge allegiance to the flag the United States of America, and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Appreciation or applause 
throughout this conversation. I promise I will give you a chance here at the beginning to express your appreciation and also at the very end to uh, cheer for the candidate of your choice. But during our discussion, it is likely to diminish the conversation and the amount of information you can actually hear from our candidates if we have to take breaks for applause along the way. So I'm going to ask you politely uh, to keep that in mind as we have the discussion for the rest of the evening. You'll notice that our candidates here this evening are seated. Uh, we've asked that for the sake of our audience at home on camera that they remain seated. And I wanted to make sure that you know that it's not because your candidates are lazy or disrespectful. It's because we've asked them to remain seated here tonight. We expect that tonight's program will run approximately 75 minutes, and the rules will be as follows. I will call on one of the panelists to ask a question that will be directed to all three candidates. And as I do so, I will announce the order in which that question will be answered by the candidates. I have previously uh, randomly generated a list of numbers and orders, so each round will be different, and so that no candidate has an, an advantage of going first or last every time. Each candidate will answer that question for 90 seconds. At the end of those 90 seconds, the next candidate will go for 90 seconds and the third, and then each candidate will have an additional 30 seconds as a rebuttal if they choose to use it. The time is being kept up front. The candidates have all been apprised of how that is going to be announced to them. We're going to try to hold them to that period of time. Everybody's agreed to do that. I also want the audience to know that we are not going to be awarding extra time if someone is mentioned by name, as you might have seen on television. Uh, the candidates all know that, and they have been advised they may use time from another question. If they want to go back, it's their time. They can address something that somebody said about them earlier. But we're not going to get into a back and forth here this evening. We're just going to play it straight. That's how the questions are going to be asked, and that's how they're going to be answered. Uh, additionally, there are some questions that have come from the audience. Uh, this is meant to be a community event, and we want people to be engaged from around the community. And so there are, uh, here in the room, or towards the back of the room, slips of paper on which you can ask a question. Uh, the Republican Party here is going through those and bringing those to my attention. It will be at my discretion when and whether to ask a question that has been submitted. When we do that, the period of time will be a little shorter. It'll be 60 seconds with no rebuttal, and we'll announce that that's the kind of question coming at each time that one of those comes up, and I work it into the rotation. Uh, finally, there are biographies in the back. I'm not going to spend time here during the uh, announcements going over each of these candidates' biographies. Uh, they are going to have two minutes here as we begin to introduce themselves before we get into questions. But you're welcome to find those biographies in the back, as well as to get any campaign material at the end. So, having said all of that, I think we're ready to begin. We will begin with uh, introductory statements, the two-minute variety. Uh, and the order for this round will be, for introductions, will be Mr. Reidenauer first, Mr. Bracken second, and Mr. Jones third. We'll go two minutes for each of those. But before we begin those statements, now is one of those times that I'm going to ask you to show your appreciation and approval for your candidate. Please join me in welcoming all three of our candidates. Now, having said that, let's begin with introductory statements. Two minutes for Mr. Wright. Sounds like they can hear you in the back. Okay. Good evening. 
This is a wonderful crowd. In fact, our city council member from Richmond, who's one of the panelists, has been saying that she was afraid that only 20 people would be here. Well, I think there's 20 <laughs> people in the first three rows. So congratulations. This is an important election. It's a very important election. The direction that our city goes. See, the reality is we can't change direction. We can't change the destination overnight. You cannot. Our direction right now is set based upon the current administration and what, what is happening with the current administration. But you can change direction. And that ultimately changes your destination. So what I would encourage you uh, to do is to listen to the three candidates tonight uh, and uh, come out and vote on May 7th. One of the things that uh, is important, one of the things that is important is that uh, you've got the bios, you know all of our backgrounds. The, the important part is what is each of our visions for Muncie and what is our experience that will help us make that vision a reality. That is the only way that we will truly change the direction of our city is with experience, and is with the vision. And uh, I believe I have that this evening and uh, look forward to answering the questions as they come forward to us today. My name is Dan Reidenauer. Thank you once again for this great, wonderful crowd. We're very appreciative of you being here. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Reidenauer. Next, as we said before, two minutes on the clock, please, for the crack. Good evening, Good evening everybody. Uh, thank you all for being here tonight. Over the course of the last few months, I've had the opportunity to, uh, to get out and engage with the public through uh, neighborhood association meetings, forums, um, Conversations in the last few months have been quite a bit different. Uh, they've been more pointed. People have a lot to say about the status of our city. They have very strong feelings. And quite honestly, they're appalled uh, with the state of things right now. They can't believe that our city engages in such self-destructive decision-making, uh, such deceptive uh, financial practices. Um, the, the back and forth between the city and county is, is unbelievable, and people, people think that we are our own worst enemy. Uh, story, pretty story comes to mind. I can imagine two, two men in a boat, uh, and one represents the city, the other represents the county, and the one guy thinks he's going to get the other guy by walking over to his other side of the boat drilling the hole in it. And while he's smugly walking back to his seat, the other guy walks over and drills a hole uh, in his side of the boat. As the two sit there and glare at one another, they seem oblivious to the fact that the boat is filling with water. Ladies and gentlemen, we are all in the same boat. And right now our boat is filling with water. 
Under my administration, we will run an honest government and we will restore Muncie's respect. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. I will take a minute before Mr. Jones starts to remind everyone uh, that given the nature of the conversation, if you could take a moment to silence your cell phones, that would be very much appreciated by everyone here. Mr. Jones, when you're ready. Well, first and foremost, I want to thank all of my supporters for being here tonight, and I want to thank all of you that are in the audience as well. Uh, my hopes are to set myself apart from my competition and to gain the support of local voters. There are three things that I think about when I set myself apart from both of these other gentlemen sitting here tonight. That is my energy, my enthusiasm, and my ability to think outside the box. Uh, I believe we have a long road to hoe uh, when it comes to, to running the city government, and I believe with the right leadership surrounding us, I believe we will get there. We have to pick qualified and, and uh, very educated individuals for those positions. Once again, I thank you all for being here tonight, and I look forward to these questions. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Jones. The first question I'm going to ask uh, Mr. Ballard to ask, and he's going to ask that question for all three of our candidates. And the order for this round will be Mr. Reidenauer, Mr. Jones, and then Mr. Bracken. Thank you. Due to the national and sometimes state Republican ideology, it can be difficult to govern a city as a Republican while still representing your entire constituency. How do you plan on balancing party positions while still serving the very real needs of your community? Well, thank you, Mayor Ballard. That's a, a, a great question. One of the things that I've discovered in my time on the City Council is you cannot get anything accomplished if you look at D's and R's on that council. If you only look at what did a Democrat vote for or what did a Republican vote for, you're not gonna get anything accomplished. Most of the time, we vote together because it's housekeeping issues. It's approving the minutes. It's uh, approving uh, Brad Polk, I noticed him in the audience, Brad Polk to be our, uh, our representative on the 911 board. If I looked at that, if I looked at that, that voting record and said, no, a Democrat voted for Brad Polk to be on the 911 board, I would have to vote against, I would not, I would be mistaken if I decided to vote against it because a Democrat voted against it. In our city, we understand that we have a situation where we are in a minority uh, and we have to work together. I think the type of leadership we need is the type of leadership that is willing to listen to others, is willing to gather what they're saying and then come up with a great solution that comes across all party lines and whatever is best for the city. I will do what's best for the city and I will not look at D's and R's uh, on the council or with the constituents. I will ask questions and be there for the people. Thank you, Mr. Reidenauer. Next is Mr. Jones. So, in answering that question, I think it's very imperative that we uh, talk to the whole entire community uh, when thinking about running a city government. You know, not everybody's political lines lie across the same exact uh, ship, so to speak. But I can tell you that, uh, and, and since I've been living here all my life, uh, never once have I made a decision in my leadership positions based upon political uh, stances. I can tell you that there are some things that we probably all three disagree with or agree with here uh, right now tonight, but I can also tell you that there, there's, there's a difference between what's right and what's wrong. I don't think here locally uh, that we should start looking at politics or Democrat or Republican. I think 
you've got to learn how to effectively lead your community in the right direction uh, without bringing uh, the, poli the politics and, and that stuff into the, uh, the realm of the conversations. I also believe that it's, uh, it's just strict leadership. You have to be willing to get out there, talk to every person that's within the community, talk to every person that's willing to come out and help, and surround yourself with the right people, whether they're Democrat or Republican, regardless. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Jones, and next, Mr. Brackett. I, I hate to ask, but could you repeat the question, please? Due to national and sometimes state Republican ideology, it can be difficult to govern a city as a Republican while still representing your entire constituency. How do you plan on balancing party positions while still serving the very real needs of your community? What I found in my conversations is that Democrats and Republicans are alike. They want a better Muncie. That is paramount. And there seems to be a certain faction of the Democratic Party that has ulterior motives. The vast majority of the Democrats I've talked to have no interest in that. They want to see Muncie succeed. Unless Muncie succeeds, we're not going to bring in the revenue to be able to distribute the revenue uh, the way that, that we want. And uh, you know, Republicans and Democrats can argue about the different ways to distribute that revenue. But if you don't have the revenue, you've got nothing. And so Muncie needs to get its act together. It needs to pull together. Uh, and as mayor, what, what I will do after the election, after the election in November, if I happen to be successful, uh, party will be put aside for me. All job openings, all positions will be open at that time. I am not making deals. Uh, I am not promising jobs in exchange for support. And um, what I will do in filling appointments and jobs is I will interview and I will seek out the best person regardless of party. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Bracken. To present the next question, I would turn to uh, Chairwoman of the District, Ms. Collis. And the order for this question would be Mr. Bracken, Mr. Ragnar, and then Mr. Jones. So I've tried to pay attention to the news here in Muncie, and so one of the things I uh, do want to ask is if you win the mayor's race, what are examples that you can share on how you will rebuild the trust with the citizens? Trust, trust is at an all-time low here. So what needs to happen is we need to do some pretty serious things regarding finances. We need a forensic accountant. We need to find out. I, the current administration has absolutely no interest in informing the public on where their tax dollars are going. So I'm in favor of doing a forensic accounting, finding out where the money went. We need to find out, uh, we, we need to make sure that we can cover our debt because we have certain financial time bombs on the horizon where we've got balloon payments uh, coming up that, that have been uh, set for us by the current mayor and his, and his administration. So um, we need to do that. Uh, once we make sure we can, we can manage our debt, then we need to basically economize, we need to examine our city infrastructure, the, the city uh, employment infrastructure. Our current mayor has exploded the payroll of, uh, of, of our city employees. We've got about uh, 35 more city employees now than when he took office, and all that costs money. So we need to re-examine uh, uh, and look for efficiencies in our city government. 
these are the things that will bring trust uh, to our citizens because they are looking for an efficient and competently run city government. Thank you, Mr. Bracken. Uh, this round, the next question is to, or the next uh, speaking part is from Mr. Bracken. We're at a, a, a serious situation with our city. Uh, one of the reasons that jobs are not here is that there's just no trust uh, by the state and by the public. Uh, we, a, a good idea could come out and there's just no trust. And, and that is because we have not been open and honest with our citizens. One of the things that I will do when taking office, from day one, I will make all the documents available. And I've had this out uh, since I started August 15th. I will make every document available to the public on the same day that the council gets it. It will be every page of every ordinance, every page of every resolution, and all attachments that go with it. The way we're gonna build the trust back is by being trustworthy, and that's what I will do. A second thing that I will do is, it's very important that we get out and find out what are people wanting in our city. I have, since 2007, I have attended more than 100 neighborhood associations I, uh, I have asked people the questions, I seek their answers, their input. Uh, the public is just ready for a trustworthy government. I will share everything with the public. It will slow down the government, it will, and I don't think that's bad. But it will, it will make us be better at what we do by being open and honest, and that's what you will get with a Dan Wright administration. Thank you, Mr. Ryan. Now, Mr. Joe. Will you re-ask the whole question? Yeah. So, if you win the mayor's race, what will you do to rebuild the trust for the citizens of Lexington? So, uh, first and foremost, I think that when you make promises, you must keep those promises. Uh, time and time again, I've heard of promises being made or uh, potential jobs being given away prior to elections, and I just think it's important that we, we don't try to use politics in order to uh, gain support by giving jobs out and things of that nature. I do wanna hit a little bit on documentation during city council meetings. I do believe that is a different elected official's uh, job to do. Uh, and I do believe that's the city clerk. And so from my understanding, uh, you are not able to tell another elected official what to do uh, with those documents. However, I think it would be beneficial to partner up with any elected official within the city to make sure that everybody is working on the same page, doing the same thing in order to be transparent and truthful with the, the city. I also think that it is important to hold uh, monthly meetings with our community and try to uh, get input from them in order to make sure that we are being transparent with uh, everything that we have done. Uh, the last thing that I will state is building relationships. I think it's important that we build relationships with the perspective areas that um, the people live, neighborhoods, uh, different business owners, uh, so on and so forth. So I think it's about building relationships uh, and making sure that we partner with elected officials so that they can get their job done and do it correctly as well. Thank you, Mr. Jones. We'll now move to the 30-second rebuttal phase. And the order again is Mr. Bracken, Mr. Wright, and Mr. Jones. As far as transparency and documents, uh, one thing that other cities do is they make great use of the internet. I mean, it is such a wonderful tool, and it seems like uh, Muncie hasn't quite figured out that the internet is available for the dissemination of documents. 
Uh, they think that posting a, a piece of paper, you know, on a on a door in City Hall constitutes public notice. Uh, we're going to use the internet quite simply. Uh, we're going to compare ourselves to what the best cities out there, the most transparent cities. We're going to do that. Thank you, Mr. Ryder. This whole thing about trust is is all going to come from whoever is at the top and whoever will be honest and open, whoever will share information. That that's what's going to create the trust. And uh, I I think that uh, as you look at this crowd, that's what I expect every single month because I have I have said I was going to have monthly meet and greets at neighborhood association meetings, and again I've been to over a hundred of them over the last several years. It's a great way to see what's happening grassroots, and no two neighborhoods are the same. Mr. Gerald, good question. So uh, I would just simply say that I think it's important too to think about when voting for a candidate, um, think about someone that has lived here all their life. Think about someone who was raised here all their life. Think about someone who's graduated from high school here. Uh, and think about all of those things when you think about leadership within your community as uh, that's given me a lot of years of getting to know this community in a, in a different way than, than others, I believe. Thank you. Thank you. For the next question, I turn to Nathan Barr. And the order for this question will be Mr. Jones, Mr. Reidenauer, Mr. Bracken. Indiana, Indiana in general, and East Central Indiana in particular, has a brain drain problem. What? A brain drain problem. Um, Delaware County and Muncie are blessed to have Ball State University. Uh, Ball State University has produced many fine students like uh, Isaac Miller, Sabrina Kilgore, and Matt Pfeiffer. But I would like to see more opportunities for them once they graduate. I'm just curious to know what each of you have done and plans to do to address our brain drain issue. So currently, I just think it's important that we partner with uh, Ball State, Ivy Tech, all of the schools here locally. Uh, I think it's important to set up uh, student councils, but I also think that we have to get back into uh, more of your hands-on learning uh, situations. And, and you know, I know when I went to school, uh, I went to the Career Center for, for a little while, and I was able to actually meet with advisors and uh, employment uh, people to, to help provide a job for me in that process. Uh, and I just think it's kind of important to, to make sure that we partner with them uh, from a city and, and school standpoint. But we also, <clears throat> excuse me, we also have to create an opportunity to uh, hold job fairs or different things of that nature to, to try to help out with that situation. Next one is Mr. Wright. It's an excellent question, and it's something we struggle with in Muncie. But we're not the only community, and, and you mentioned East Central Indiana, we're not the only area that has that exact same problem. We do have a couple of big advantages, and one is Ball State University. And uh, President Burns has been very, very vocal and has been very, very involved in trying to make Muncie and work with and partner with Muncie. And I think that's going to be a key. Um, and, and we see that with what they're attempting to do with the schools to bring some innovation. And I, I think we'll see that. And what I appreciate about how they've done it is they've gone to the community and they've asked for input, and then they take that input and try and make little tweaks and improvements to give that innovation. 
Uh, I was at a luncheon presentation today, and President Mearns was the speaker, and he was talking about their vision through 2040. 2040. Uh, and he said it again, and this is, this is how I will run the city. He is taking, they are taking a year to get citizen input on what we want to do to redevelop and to uh, improve Ball State's connection with Muncie and some of the facilities that Ball State has. I will do the same thing as mayor. I've already been to neighborhood associations many, many times getting input. I will continue to do that, and that is the key, because grassroots, you guys, all of us at the neighborhood level can start making a difference. Thanks for turning this practice. Thank you. Yes, uh, brain drain is a terrible problem here in Muncie and Delaware County. I watched this issue up close uh, at Ball State. Uh, the issue is, is squarely uh, with Muncie, however. Ball State stands ready to help, but its job is to, un is to educate its students. Um, it took a major step, and, and President Mearns is, is to be commended uh, for his interest in engaging with the Muncie Community Schools, and I think that sets that uh, organization on, on a good path. Uh, it's gonna take time, um, but, but we're headed in the right direction. But what needs to happen is the city of Muncie needs to get itself straightened out. Uh, we need to take care of our own business. Uh, we need to do the things that attract families. I mean, these are simple things like roads and schools and parks and things like that. Stuff that uh, seem, seems to have been forgotten for decades here uh, while we chased uh, some wild uh, economic development uh, uh, initiatives that, you know, I mean, <laughs> When you compare ourselves to other cities, other cities have the basics down, for the most part. I mean, everybody's struggling, but if you want to look at where people are actually moving to, they're moving to cities that have figured it out. Uh, we need to be a, a city that has figured it out. Thank you. For the 30-second rebuttal, please, in the same order, Mr. Jones, Mr. Rydow, and Mr. So I just think it's important that we grow Muncie. Uh, along with roads, I think we've got to fix the drug epidemic. We've got to partner with not only our colleges, but we have to partner with our K through 12 as well. Uh, look, folks, it starts from the bottom up. And uh, I know that if I'm, uh, I have my children uh, in a school and they're being raised there basically one third of their life, it is important to me to make sure that we are uh, staying uh, very in tune with what's going on there. I also think that we have to start trying to recruit top tier talent to come right here to Muncie, Indiana to get the job done. Thank you, Mr. Jones. Again, next Mr. Redmond. When we, when we look at starting from the bottom up, and I, and I think that's a, that's a point that we need to consider, one of the things that I've been very involved in is the Buy 5 initiative, and I have volunteered for four straight years with Muncie Community Schools at the kickoff to kindergarten. I don't know if you know this, but the jail cells are that the government uses are determined by third grade reading level of third grade. That kickoff to kindergarten, the Buy 5 initiative will help us achieve that. Thank you, Mr. Rodner. And to close the question, Mr. Bradford, 30 seconds. The element in the room uh, in order to maintain, to, to keep talent here in Muncie is attracting jobs, att attracting companies. Companies have wisened up. Uh, they are looking for places that have good quality of place because they know that if they move to a community, they need to bring their employees to that community. That means they need the basics. They need, they need roads and schools. 
And if you don't have those things, you're not gonna bring the families, you're not gonna bring the companies, you're not gonna have job opportunities, you're gonna have brain drain. All right, that closes that question. I'm going to uh, assert my right to insert uh, an audience member question. I think it sort of flows out of that same line of thought. So again, these will be uh, 60 second varieties, no rebuttal questions. Uh, first, my timekeeper's down there. The question from the audience is, and I'm gonna paraphrase a little bit, how would you propose to get a new business to either relocate or build here in Muncie, or how would you persuade businesses to grow their business here in Muncie? Specifically, what tools would you use to get that done? The order here is Mr. Bracken, Mr. Jones, Mr. Wright, and our 60 seconds each no rebuttal. Well, I don't wanna sound like a broken record, so I'm not gonna repeat what I just said, but what we need to do in order to attract businesses, uh, given where we are now, we need to convince businesses that the future is going to be better than the past, and that we do have a way uh, to make Muncie better, and that we're not interested in our political backstabbing ways uh, that we seem to be known for throughout uh, East Central Indiana as well as the state. Uh, it's time to put, put that politics aside. Um, businesses do, they are looking for good places to move to. So uh, what we need to do is we need to demonstrate that we're a community that's worthy of businesses uh, and that we have a ready workforce uh, that can show up on time and perform for the company. Uh, these, are, these are what a company is looking for uh, and those will be my focus as mayor. Thank you, Mr. Brack. And again, Mr. Jones is next to answer that question 67. So I just think it's important that, uh, I want to say the same thing. We're going to be a broken record here. We've got a major, major drug problem here with no drug prevention or drug rehab opportunity for any of those folks. Our roads have been mismanaged with funds and people not laying the, the appropriate amount of material down. I know that when I think about uh, opening up a newspaper and saying, hey, I'm going to move to Muncie, if I was to open that newspaper, the only thing that I read there are nothing but negative things. So uh, me as a, as a person that would own a business, I don't know that I would have the want to do that. And so we've got to change the environment in which we all operate in, uh, we work in, we play in, and raise our children in in order to make, make our uh, city more effective for companies to want to come and move here. The other thing I think that is important is that we do not give the whole pie away when we talk about partnering with companies uh, to move here. Thank you, Mr. Ryan. I close the question. I'm going to give you a couple of examples of, of situations where I, on the city council, along with many others, uh, some in this room, uh, were very instrumental in helping companies expand here rather than moving somewhere else. Delaware Dynamics, for example, is something that uh, we worked with uh, with Tracy and the Chamber and other economic uh, development officials, and we said we're not interested in, in a TIF district and they restructured everything. The company was going to move to Anderson. Anderson was soliciting them hard. But in fact, we ended up now, and the expansion is visible. The buildings are starting to go up just south of Delaware Dynamics. They bought that ground. These are engineering jobs. These are good jobs. And Accutech is another one. 50 plus jobs that pay $50,000 a year each, moving into downtown. You provide the opportunities, and you can make it happen. So those are a couple positives, and that's the end. <laughs> <laughs> All right, for the next question, we'll turn back to Mayor Greg Ballard to ask a question. The order will be Mr. Jones, Mr. Bracken, Mr. Reisenauer. Again, back in 90 seconds. How could you improve the relationship 
between the State House and Muncie. And is Muncie getting all they can from the State House? Actually, I think it's all about growing and building relationships. Uh, I do believe that you have to make the proper connections uh, down at the State House level uh, to get them to work with us. And I also think that we should try to look for individuals within our own community to represent us down there and potentially run for office there as well. Uh, I think there's a lot more that we can get from there. Uh, just by, by simple growing relationships and building on those uh, throughout the next few years. Next year will be Mr. Crash. The state of Indiana is in great financial shape uh, due to uh, many administrations worth of sound financial management. Uh, so Muncie is, is fortunate to be in Indiana um, because that means that financial resources are available. Uh, is Muncie getting everything that it can from Indianapolis? The answer is no. Um, and that is because uh, we have not demonstrated to the state that we are a trustworthy government and that we are worthy of their financial interests. Um, we, in, in the, uh, the road funding, um, our current administration uh, saw fit to not apply uh, for road funding because, well, we didn't really want to comply with the rules. Um, you know, I, I, the, 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 uh, the common belief um, is that our current administration couldn't figure out how to make that money disappear. So they, they decided <laughs> to just not apply. So our roads paid the price for that. Um, I mean, you know, Delaware County applied for the money and received it. City of Muncie couldn't manage it. Um, it applies comprehension. Uh, there's a lot of room for improvement in our relationship with Indianapolis. Um, I, I think that, I mean, I, I have established uh, some relationships down there, and I believe Hi. that uh, I can continue that. Thank you, Mr. Bradford. Mr. Bradford. Well, I'm going to sound like a broken record as well. It all comes down to trust. They do not trust us. And with our track record, it's understandable. Uh, when we have a new mayor in November who takes office in January, I think you will see that it's going to change immediately. Uh, I, am going to, I am going to develop those relationships. Uh, in fact, I already have many of the relationships. I happen to have been uh, the, involved in uh, Doug Eckerty's campaign. I was his treasurer. Um, I was introduced to a number of people, um, and it, it, we have to come up with ways to have the state believe in us, and that will be by us being honest and open. Um, I will invite them immediately to Muncie. I will go visit them in Indianapolis, and we will make that happen. Indiana has a great, an absolutely great reputation for developing new businesses. Uh, throughout the country and throughout the world. And when we have the opportunities that come to Indiana, Muncie is not included in those opportunities. And so we all sound like a broken record up here, but when we have an honest and open government that is sharing information and being fair with all citizens, not a select few, you will find that those relationships will grow and the trust will be there with the state and we will get more opportunities. And that will also help with the brain drain as well. Thank you, Mr. Redman. Bell, please, 30 seconds again. Mr. Jones, Mr. Bracken, Mr. Redman. I, I think all three of us have pretty much made ourselves pretty clear that uh, it's all about relationship building. 
It's all about uh, making sure that we, we try our hardest to show the community uh, that we're going to do what's right for, for everyone. I also believe that, that you have to start uh, putting other people out there in our community uh, to try to go out and represent us, and that represent us to the fullest. Uh, I've noticed in the past that there are representatives that are really not down there doing what's right for, for our community here locally, and I just think it's important uh, to make sure that we for what is really important to us as a whole. Thank you, Mr. Jones. To close this question, Mr. Brecker. As another example um, of our relationship with the state, I haven't... I'm sorry, go ahead. I made a mistake. Please continue. I have that against this time. I haven't get a, a close-up view of how we handle our regional cities application. Uh, that was a case where the state had money set aside and wanted to put it into communities, regional cities, of which Muncie is one. Muncie is the designated regional city for the East Central region. Uh, and Muncie blew it. Uh, we decided to throw in all kinds of low-grade projects that were... Thank you, Mr. Brackett. Now we'll close the question, Mr. Brackett. I apologize for throwing out everybody off at the beginning of that. 30 seconds. The bottom line is, we know we need to improve our community. We're going to do that by having an honest <coughs> government. We need to pick the leader who will make that happen. Someone with experience uh, inside the government, someone with financial experience. We've heard a lot of financing is the problems as well. And, and someone who will provide a vision of where we need to go as a city. And I believe I can make that happen. And I can finish this before she says, <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Ragnar. Uh, that closes that question. The next question will turn to Ms. Nicholas. Your This question will be Mr. Bracken, Mr. Jones, Mr. Ragnar. So I'm feeling to change the shift a little bit of focus. As a, as a city council member in Richmond, I know that it's not possible to be successful just being, a mayor, being the mayor alone. So my question for you is, um, what do you believe the role of city council is if you come here? Um, and then how will you better communicate with your council members? City council plays an extremely important role. They do not take orders from anybody, in my opinion. Uh, they are elected to represent their districts, um, and they should do that. Uh, they should not, they should not, they, they should not march to anyone, anyone's orders other than their own conscience. The way I will, reach out to city council, and that includes Democrats as well as Republicans, is I will treat them with respect. I will give them all the same information. I will give them complete information, and I will engage in an open dialogue with each and every one of them. And with that, I hope to earn their trust. I hope I would also earn their support, but I understand that people have different views, and they might see things differently than I do. That's the democratic process. But I think when you treat other people with respect and openness, uh, so many barriers can be knocked down. Uh, and you can understand that, that what we're trying to do ultimately is create a better Muncie. Uh, and once we get back to that question, I think we find a lot of agreement. Thank you, Mr. Bracken. Next, Mr. Jones. So one of the first things I would say is that I noticed in the past is a lot of the um, current council would have backdoor meetings um, and people would know about it. And 
and never really say much about it. And of course, they would come out in those city council meetings and uh, basically have their decision already made without uh, the public or any other council members knowing. Uh, so I just think it's important that you try to hold meetings with the current council uh, or whoever is elected uh, on the city council. But I also think it's important that the city council understand what the true goal in mind here is locally. And that is to get our finances back together. That is to make sure that we are an advocate for our community and that they set the, the precedence on financial spending and also making sure that all ordinances that are passed uh, are truly followed in the right direction. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Ryder. Well, as a city council member, let me tell you some of the things that I did on the council. Without fanfare, I never told anyone, my wife was aware of it, but I have filed Freedom of Information Acts. I didn't put it in the paper. I didn't make a big production of it, but I needed information. One of the things the city council needs to do with the current administration has been, because the information is so difficult to get, is I, I ask for a lot of clarifications. I have regular communications with our controllers, both our past controller and our current controller, asking for a clarification. When I see a check go across that is for $23,000 to an individual, I ask for what is that for? When I see us buying an item that's $25,000, $30,000, I ask for a copy of the bids. If I don't get them, I contact Freedom of Information and, and get the information that way. In fact, I was so frustrated that during the beginning of some of the investigations uh, that our current mayor was saying he just didn't know that I created and, and introduced uh, Ordinance 39-16 back in September of 2016, which put in special requirements to make the mayor aware so that the mayor can't say, I didn't know this was happening. Uh, now, I got voted down because it's a 7-2 minority, but that's the type of thing the council should do. Thank you, Mr. Ryder. Now into the 30-second rebuttal phase, Mr. Bracken, Mr. Jones, Mr. Ryder. The city council uh, can gain legitimacy through openness of city records, financial records. So they, they need to earn the respect and trust of their own constituents also. Um, so, it, you know, the mayor sets the tone for what the whole city government is going to be like. And under my administration, with a completely open financial record, Time. all of it. Uh, <laughs> 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 Once again, I just think it's important that we build the relationships with them uh, and try to build a better Muncie. I can tell you that on numerous occasions that I've researched, I have noticed that uh, there's been some uh, city council members that uh, would complain about things, but then not hold their ground and truly vote against something they knew was wrong. And so I think that we have to learn to come together, learn to communicate with each other, and learn to, to truly govern this community the right way. Thank you, Mr. Jones. Mr. Reinhardt, all the questions. Well, I'm going to talk about one more thing that I would recommend. And if you go back to my website at danformuncie.com, uh, starting August 15th, when I announced that I was running for mayor, at that time against Tyler is what I was expecting, uh, I put in there 22 items that I would do as mayor. 
One of those is I would require each of the departments of my administration to meet in front of the council twice per year, going over budgets, going over their successes, going over what their challenges are, and Hi. start that communication. Thank you, Mr. Wright. For the next question, I will turn to uh, Mr. Lamar, and the order for this question will be Mr. Jones, Mr. Reidenauer, and Mr. Bragg. I spent the past 10 years as president of Pembroke County Council, and a few of those years I've spent as a board member on the East Central Indiana Regional Planning District. Through that experience, I learned that uh, TIFs, uh, tax increment financing, uh, TIF, TIF districts are often a necessary evil, uh, and something that everybody does, competing for economic development. Uh, by the same token, uh, it could be argued that uh, Muncie and Delaware County have often abused the privileged TIF districts. What are each of your views on TIF districts? So, my view on a TIF district is, is it, it, the intent for a TIF district is to do a big project, finish that project, and close that TIF district down. Now, that's the way that I understand it. What I would also say is, is that we cannot allow a mayor or any other person to use that as their slush fund. I feel that currently, right now, um, the, the current administration has basically allowed that to happen uh, with their economic development personnel. And I also believe that um, it, it makes more sense to divide those up and not connect them so that there is a less possibility of that being done. Uh, it's very, very important to, to be competitive. It's very, very important to be able to do bigger projects. Uh, but at the same time, when you're done with them, let's close them down, let's not bond them out, and let's do what's right with the taxpayers' dollars. Thank you. Next is Mr. Wright. Yeah, the TIF districts, a necessary evil is the uh, probably the perfect way to describe it. Uh, in order to keep Accutech, the only way we could make it happen, and Accutech has currently 50 employees. They were being recruited by Fishers in the Indianapolis marketplace, um, and their employees earn, on average, over $50,000 a year. They're going to double the size of the company. Uh, that company is willing to put uh, $3.5 million into the project downtown of their own funds. In order, in order to make it happen and get an additional 50 people in this city, young people who said they wanted to live downtown, I was at the meeting where they did the announcement, they want to live downtown and they're taking over the old Sears building. Uh, in order to make it happen, we've got to do a little one and a half million dollar tip. It's a necessary evil to keep 50 jobs and create 50 some additional jobs. I would not be interested at all in doing tips or something that's a pet project. We've seen those in our administration and that's the type of thing that we cannot do. Thank you, Mr. Brown. With regards to Accutech in that one particular case, the answer we got from the mayor was that tips were necessary in order to keep Accutech here. Uh, the, one, the one thing I'll mention regarding that is the better way to have kept Accutech here is to have had good roads, good schools, good quality of place. Those are the ways uh, to bring companies like Accutech. Using tip money is basically a payoff. Um, you know, TIFs were created to provide flexibility uh, with tax dollars. And flexibility in the wrong hands can be a disaster. Uh, and many of the examples here in Muncie have been that, using TIF dollars. Uh, 
tips keep tax dollars out of the standard taxing districts, like schools. Um, not that tip money can't be used for schools, but you've got to decide specifically to use that money for schools. You, it also allows you the flexibility to use it for other things. So you can see that that money can be misused. The problem isn't so much tips. The problem is dishonest management of, the, of those funds. And if you've got dishonest management, it doesn't really matter whether you're talking about tip dollars or general fund dollars, because all those dollars are subject to being wasted. Thank you, Mr. Bracken. That would be a 30 second follow phase. Again, the order, Mr. Jones, Mr. Bracken. So I don't disagree with either one of these individuals up here, but the, the one thing I do want to say is I'm a spade is a spade kind of guy. And I, I feel like that we all have to be transparent with how we've either voted on this or how we've approached this in the past. And I just know that there are certain council members that in the past have actually uh, complained or found issues uh, with certain uh, situations just like this and uh, went with the status quo and still voted for those. And so I just think it's important that we, we do what's right Hi. in the tip districts. Thank you, Mr. Jones. 30 seconds for Mr. Wright. Clearly tips are not something that can be explained in the 30 seconds that we have. And I think most of the people in this audience who are very active politically probably have a pretty good feel about what TIFs are. The biggest challenge that we have in Muncie is that they were combined um, back in, I don't know, 2014, maybe maybe 2015, but they were combined, uh, which is in the end is extending the distance. I actually saw something in the paper once about Elkhart returning six and a half million dollars of assessed value to their community. Yes, the combination of the tips is an example, really, of how that tip money can be misspent. Uh, because what that means is that the original concept for the tip, which is to in make investments using the appreciation of the assessed value of the development, make those investments into that area, the city just decided to waive that requirement and combine the tips so they can move the money around however they want. So tips have earned the, the designation of the devil's playground and uh, under this administration that's coming through. Thank you, Mr. Brad. All right, for the next question, we turn back to Mayor Greg Ballard and the order for this question will be Mr. Reidenauer, Mr. Jones, Mr. Something very specific. How can Ball State enhance the quality of life for Muncie? Well, I do think Ball State enhances the quality of life already, um, but I think there's some additional things that they do. They are our number, our leading employer. Um, they do pay reasonably well, they have good benefits, so all of those things make us a better community, help make us a better community. Um, what I think Ball State is doing under the leadership of President Mearns is I think they're looking at how can we get this community up to the standard that they want to see uh, and that we want to see, especially as Republicans in this room, of Muncie. And it, it all comes down to the leadership at the very top and the leadership and whether they'll be honest, whether they'll be open, whether they will gain the trust of the state, all of those things are having a critical impact on what we are trying to do in Muncie. And Ball State, uh, and President Burns in particular, is very interested in seeing ways that he can make it happen. And I think the collaborations that he is talking about are all things that are gonna help each of us. 
uh, in, in Muncie. And I think probably the most important thing that they can do is have success with the Muncie Community Schools. I think if they can come up with some innovative ideas to help transform this school system to where it needs to be, that will help Muncie generate a way to stop the brain drain, and a way to increase our tax revenues and grow our population. So I, I actually agree with that. Um, I think it's important that uh, we continue to build the Muncie Community Schools. I think it's also important um, that we also have a, a partnership with uh, Ball State University that also doesn't cross the line. And one thing that I'll give you an example with this is uh, some of the properties that are being bought up around Muncie, Indiana, uh, which are actually taken away from our tax base, which makes our community a little bit smaller. And so I think there's a, a proper relationship that will allow us to both grow together, but I think they can help us by, by partnering in the right way and making sure that our uh, Muncie Community Schools are taken care of in the right direction and uh, moving forward, uh, being obviously a good employer, uh, I think that they do the right thing there when, when we talk about benefits and different uh, options that they have for their employees. Uh, that being said, uh, I don't think there's much more you can do just to have more of a, a very close, tight-knit relationship. And Ms. Brett. Uh, ways that Ball State can improve our quality of life. Uh, one of the things that, that is directly under their purview is to improve the quality of life on the campus. That is uh, an essential thing that they need to do in order to attract students. Uh, they're making, some of you may know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fan of green space. Uh, the university is incorporating a new East Mall uh, in their master campus plan. I'm proud to say that I was part of those conversations. Um, some of you might also know that I'm a, I'm a fan of getting around by bicycle, and uh, so Ball State is incorporating bike paths uh, wherever it possibly can. I know uh, in previous times when the campus was being designed, the automobile was supreme, and uh, you know, if you get there by car, that was, the, that was the most important thing, and park as close as possible. Um, but, but making a beautiful campus that attracts students is paramount. We're in competition, Ball State is in competition with IU and Purdue and every other school in the MAC, and we need students to want to come to Ball State. Fortunately, right now they do. Uh, we need to make sure that keeps happening. So Ball State is also making investments in dormitories. Uh, we've got wonderful dorms. Uh, the ball is gonna be coming down, so we're, we're kind of getting out of the 60s style dorms, although I know many people have fond memories of those. Uh, but we're making investments, uh, and that will, that will attract students. That's a paramount importance. Then it's up to Muncie to keep those students here after Fine. graduation. Thank you. We move into the 30-second rebuttal phase again. The order of Mr. Reitauer, Mr. Jones, and Mr. Brown. You know, I, I hate to beat a dead horse here, but uh, I, at lunch today, one of the questions President Burns and I were talking about at our table was, he said, are you going to fix the roads? Clearly, that's a, that helps, it hurts, it prohibits their recruitment of students, it, pro it, it prohibits their recruitment of staff, and, and he said, are you gonna improve the roads? Uh, and a way to do that, we've spent $2.6 million on legal fees. So a couple things that I think the Wall State could do to help improve the city of Muncie is, uh, First and foremost, we, our police department is struggling here locally with personnel, and I believe that if we could get them to help partner with some of the policing issues that we have around Ball State, that would be a benefit. But 
But I also would say that we currently get funding from them <clears throat> from a fire department standpoint from it dates clear back into the 70s and uh, only provides a certain amount of money for fire protection in Ball State. And so I think that we need to renegotiate some of those um, public safety issues that, that, that we currently are dealing with. Thank you, Jones. Brad, we'll close the question. Uh, Ball State Police, they, their job is to police the campus, and that's what they do, and they do it very well. As far as the fire department, I know Ball State makes payments to the city of Muncie for uh, the, the, the ladder trucks that need to get up to the teacher's college because it's uh, 10 stories tall. So there are, there are uh, contributions there on the part of Ball State. Um, as far as, um, Ball State needs to be somewhat careful. It can't solve all of one's Time. problems. Thank you, Mr. Brandon. We'll start a new question now, and I will turn for that question to Ms. Hollis. The order this time will be Mr. Brandon, actually. Uh, Mr. Jones, and then Mr. Reisenauer. Ms. Hollis. So you've all talked about infrastructure, so here's my question for you. It gives you a chance to, to talk a little bit more about it. How will you approach creating a plan to address infrastructure needs here in Muncie? The, the elephant in the room issue with infrastructure is roads. What we need is a plan for roads. Uh, we need to stop political paving. Uh, we need to, you know, I, I've, I've been down on the south side on some roads that are so smooth you can't believe it. Uh, and what's interesting is that they were smooth before they paved them again. <laughs> Meanwhile, up here at Riverside, it's a disaster. Um, if you agree with that, that recently, which I'm sure you have. So, I mean, we've got to get politics out of paving. I, it seems simple. Uh, I have to bring common sense to issues like this. What we need is a plan uh, where we can assess what roads need attention. And then what I would like to do is fix the roads the right way so that we invest our money not in pothole patching, um, which just drains our resources, uh, but if roads need to be rebuilt from the ground up, and I mean the ground underneath the road, then let's do that so that we have good roads that will last. Uh, these things are things that I would focus on. I would make sure that we had the resources to do that, and I would make sure that that money got spent wisely and fairly. I would not have favorite contractors. We would have open bidding. We would have, you know, many of the policies um, that we're doing now would not continue. Uh, and what we would see is better roads. Mr. Jones. So I think I would relate back to my Facebook page at Nate Jones for Mayor. I produced a video not long ago, but uh, I would set up a system that would allow equal district management, uh, district by district. I obviously, we need to stop the mismanagement of funds. Uh, I also believe that we need to have an inspector and or a city engineer that is out on those roadways while those folks are out paving and making sure that the proper amount of material and the work that is supposed to be done gets done. The other thing that I've actually been uh, communicating with the Delaware County Commissioners on is trying to bring in hot patch in the winter rather than cold patch. Uh, cold patch, after I've talked to some of the uh, streets department guys, typically gets blown out within the same day or two. I think it's important for us to get a portable, what they call a portable uh, hot patch mix system, and then we can provide our own materials in the winter time to be able to pave our roads uh, with, with hot patch, which I think in essence would, would last a lot longer. Uh, I also think it's important that we focus on our amenity infrastructures, things like parks, 
um, sidewalks, things of those nature. Uh, yeah, the last thing I want to mention is, um, uh, you know, I was looking at some of the grants that were uh, that we have the ability to be able to apply for. Uh, you know, just like Anderson, they have free Wi-Fi throughout the entire city. How cool would it be for Muncie to be able to have that and it be paid for by federal tax dollars? And I don't know about y'all, but I'm all for bringing those dollars right here to Muncie, Indiana. Um, that's it. Thank you. First of all, for an actual step-by-step -step plan, I would on day one, I would ask the street, I would tell the street department we want to go out and analyze every single street. We would do an inventory. Until you know where you are, you can't determine where you're going to be. So we would do an inventory of every street. Now I do know that the state provided one uh, with the initial grant that we ended up not bidding on, or not submitting for. But, so I would use that, plus we would go to every single street. We would then take that analysis and rate things one through five, with one meaning the worst, and five meaning recently, hopefully paved and still operating well. Uh, and we would, we would start with the ones. And I don't care if all the ones are on the south, north, east, or west, the worst streets would get done. That, so that, but that's one of the things that I would do. We have to know where we stand in order to know where we want to go. And so analyze where we are today will get us there for that part of it. A second thing that I would do is I'm gonna look at new methods. Uh, my brother-in-law is a civil engineer and manages hundreds of miles of roads for north, uh, the northern part of Georgia. And when I told him some of the problems we had, he said, you're not using the right materials, period. So we will make sure that we're using the right materials and we're not gonna use the same contractors if we're not getting the results that the city of Muncie should have. And I don't think we're getting it. Thank you, Mr. Brad. Now our 30 second vote phase, Mr. Brackett, Mr. Jones, Mr. Wright. I guess I'll talk about other infrastructure needs uh, so we don't just beat up on roads all night long, although we all live and breathe uh, that issue every day as we drive around town. Um, but other infrastructure needs are things like playgrounds, uh, our parks. We need, we need good places for our children to go and play. Um, we need these things, and, and, and these things will be made possible by savings uh, in, in roads. Jones. The last thing that I'll mention about this uh, is that we missed out on a lot of state and federal grants uh, in the city of Muncie. And I think it's important uh, that we find the individual that is um, good at writing grants and making sure that we take full advantage of all federal and state grants to bring those federal dollars here in Muncie to be able to pave our roads appropriately. Thank you, Mr. Jones. Mr. Wright. In addition to knowing where we stand with each of the individual roads, the other thing that needs to happen, and it'll happen not only in the street department, but in every single department, we will face promotions and move people up the, cha the, the, the chain uh, of job responsibility based on their actual performance and merit, not politics and not your last name or who you know. So I think we've got to do that in the city of Muncie to get the right people doing the right things. We have a lot of good people Hi. working for the city. Thank you, Mr. Ryder. I'm going to assert my ability to insert a crowd question. Um, at this time, so we're going to do the 60-second variety here. Um, and I'm going to paraphrase what has been in four or five of these cards. So I'm not reading from any one of them. 
but there seems to be some concern about the future, especially regarding the fire department, future staffing, the nature of fire and EMS here in Muncie. And I'd like to hear uh, 90 seconds from each of you about what you see as the future of the fire department, no. especially when it pertains to the EMS, and uh, what can you tell the people of Muncie about that uh, here today. So 60 seconds for each of you. I know there's not enough time to deal with the subject matter that large, but the best you can, 60 seconds. The order uh, is uh, Mr. Jones, Mr. Bracken, Mr. Reidenauer. 60 seconds each, no matter you know, I stated this uh, in an interview not long ago, but if I had to make an absolute decision today, I think that I would partner with the Delaware County Commissioners to see that uh, some ambulances be placed inside of some of the firehouse bays, but also I would try to provide some SUVs uh, or paramedic-type-like vehicles for the fire department to be able to help assist when needed uh, in, in the fire department's um, emergency responses to medical conditions. Uh, but I also think that there's you know, not enough time to really talk about this. There's not enough information out there for us all to make a, a, a perfect answer here for you. Uh, but there's a lot more that needs to be studied, and I think we bring an outside entity to help us uh, study this whole situation to make the, the most effective decision for this. Thanks, Mr. Brett. Remember in my opening comments, I was talking about the one guy that went over to the other guy in the boat <laughs> and drilled a hole? Uh, Firebase EMS is one of those holes. Uh, this is a ridiculous issue. It is totally politically mo motivated. As mayor, I would stop it in its tracks. Uh, Delaware County EMS does a phenomenal job. They've been doing it for 40 years. There is no reason to break this up. Um, the fire department is a different animal uh, that certainly has two very potent factors in uh, Dennis Tyler and Phil Nichols. Uh, their reputation is being harmed by the actions of those two guys. Uh, they know it. Um, they, they know that they also probably need to be quiet about it for right now. Uh, but things need to... I'm seeing zero. Done? I, I saw zero. Oh, I guess I got 15 more seconds. Uh, basically, our, our fire department, you know, it needs to be, I'm going to say it, and I, and I don't mean to offend anybody, it needs to be right-sized. Uh, Having fire protection in the city of Muncie is of paramount importance. Uh, but when you spend an inordinate amount of money on the fire department, you take it away Nine. from other places. Thanks, Mr. Brackett. And now it's Mr. Brackett. For 30 seconds. 60 seconds. Six. Yeah. All of the errors here tonight are And it says 15, so. We're going to do 60 seconds. Mr. Brackett, thank you all for your patience and grace. Many of the firefighters that I've talked to do not want to be ambulance drivers. That's what they said. I went to, I went to work for the fire department to be a fireman. Um, and so it, it's not something that's overwhelmingly, uh, ex, they're not overwhelmingly excited about having the, the EMS portion uh, in the fire department. That's for sure. Uh, We'll have to look at what's going on. We, I, I hesitate to put ambulances from Delaware County in the fire departments uh, because that means we're taking a truck out of the fire department because most of those bays are full. But we, we are gonna have to look at it and figure out what makes sense for the city as far as safety, what makes sense for the city as far as uh, keeping, uh, keeping protection where it needs to be. So it's something we'll have to look at. And uh, you know we'll we'll go from there. Time. 
Thank you. For the next question, we'll turn to Mr. Lubar. We are back to the 90 seconds and then 30 second rebuttal format for this. As a question from the panelists, Mr. Lamar, and the order will be Mr. Bracken, Mr. Jones, Mr. Rackenbar. What is your opinion of public private partnerships? Mr. Bracken, Mr. Jones, Mr. Rackenbar. It's a very murky term uh, that I am, I am a little bit cautious about. I think that it can be an excuse for the public to uh, draw in otherwise upstanding institutions into questionable um, economic development efforts. Now, I don't mean to sound too negative. They can be good, and in the right hands, they can be good. It's a little bit like TIF. In, in the wrong hands, they're terrible. Um, in the right hands, yes, you can, you can put some things together that will make our community better. Um, for the last seven and a half years, I've watched, uh, you know, our nefarious public officials try to draw our otherwise upstanding institutions into questionable uh, deals. Thank you, Mr. Bracken. Next will be Mr. Jones. So I think it is an absolute must that we have private and public partnership. And, and the reason being is because uh, with, without that type of partnership, uh, we really do not have uh, a community as a whole. I will tell you that in a public-private uh, partnership, that there must be contracts set up to make sure that each entity is held accountable for um, their interest. So for an example, if we are going to bring a company here and uh, we are going to work a deal out with them, I think it is important that if they promise 250 jobs, if they promise X amount of dollars, then, then they must be held accountable for that, those promises as well. If those promises are not withheld, I think that uh, that's when we have to decide which, which direction it goes and make sure that there's a contractual agreement that holds both entities uh, appropriately accountable for that. That's right. My concern with public-private partnerships is the, is the term. The term concerns me. Uh, it's, it's much like Safe, there, there was a there was a advertisement I saw on television, and I'm in I'm in the finance industry, so that that's what I do, and we do mortgages, and for decades we've had rate locks. So when you apply for your mortgage, you get to lock your rate. That means your rate is locked until uh, a certain time frame, and you close your loan in that part that that time frame, and you get to keep that rate. When marketing gets involved, because this feels like a marketing term to me, uh, when marketing gets involved, suddenly they create a word like rocket mortgage that makes it sound different than what it really is. It's online applications. Well, everybody has online applications. So I would be concerned if somebody said just you need to go for it because it's a public-private partnership. However, you can look at each individual project, just like I think you look at each individual employee, you look at each individual department, you look at each individual section of the city, and you determine what is best for that particular section, for that particular department, for that particular employee, and you make decisions based on what is best for the overall. Uh, so I, I think the term alone, I'm not uh, for or against, I just get cautious. Thank you, Mr. Ryan. Now, uh, now we move to the 12 phase, 30 seconds. Again, the order, Mr. 
was bragging Mr. Jones was running. I don't want to sound too negative on public-private partnerships. Uh, I, yes, I am wary of them, but the, my, one of my biggest problems with them is that it, it seems to be a way for a city to uh, divert the attention of what they're really supposed to be doing, which is improving the quality of life of the city itself. There are some basic things that Muncie has not been doing, and it seems to want to take your eye off the ball by having you focus on these public-private partnerships. So I, I think that exactly with what you said there, Mr. Bracken, was it actually, uh, it doesn't take the focus off of it. I think if you set up the proper contracts and you set up the proper agreements between that private uh, public partnership, uh, that as long as we stick to that contract, everything should uh, go through the right way. To close the question, Mr. Wright. And so I'm not going to discount something just because it's listed as a public-private partnership, but I will look at each individual project, whether it's public, whether it's private, uh, or public-private, and look at each of those individual projects and make a determination as to what makes the most sense for the entire city of Muncie, period. Thank you, Brian. I'm now going to assert my privilege uh, as host again this evening to ask a question. I'm going to uh, modify this a little bit. For this one, we're going to do the same 90-second, uh, everybody, 30-second rebuttal for everyone. So we're going to do just as though it was a question from the panel. Uh, 90 seconds for everyone, then 30 seconds again. The order this time uh, will be Mr. Reidenauer, Mr. Bracken, Mr. Jones. So 90 seconds. President Reagan told us uh, and gave to us, came down from Mount Sinai and gave to us the 11th commandment, <laughs> thou shalt not speak ill of your fellow Republican. <laughs> and so I want to know, and I'm sure the audience wants to know, that although you're setting politics aside, you're running for the Republican nomination, do you ascribe to this commandment? If so, why is it important? And how will you conduct yourself, your campaign, and your administration in keeping with that commandment if you believe it? 90 seconds for each of you, again the order, Mr. Ragnar, Mr. Bragan, and Mr. Jones. I think it's very important. Um, in fact, I, I, it, there are three people up on the stage that uh, feel like they need to be the mayor uh, for all of you. And I hope you just take all of our qualifications and determine for yourself what are we looking for. If you're looking for someone who has some city government experience, uh, that would be me. If it's someone who has financial background and financial experience, that would be me. If it's someone who is very involved in the community, I've been involved in 14 different not-for-profit organizations uh, over the years, either on committees or boards, uh, many of them chairman. And so I, I'm very involved in the community on areas outside of my job. And I think that well-rounded background uh, makes me the, the correct candidate. But the, I am very careful to not say anything negative about, uh, about any of the other candidates. And all of my team meetings for my team has started with, we will not say anything negative about those candidates. And I have one person that I had to take off the team because they did a post that was, I felt, uh, questionable. Uh, still a friend, but you have to take that type of accountability. And I made that choice and took that friend off of my team. Hi. And 
practice. 90 seconds here again, we'll, we will go back to 30 seconds. Going back to uh, what Ronald Reagan said, I, I, I think it is very important that we acknowledge that everybody in this room is on the same team, assuming that we're Republicans, and maybe there's some Democrats in here that are uh, that just coming here to listen in. But if you're a Democrat, I'm gonna say you're also on the same team because the team is, we need to make Muncie a better place. We need to stop the infighting. Muncie is infamous for it. Uh, we think we're good at it, we're not because it scares everybody away. Uh, we've been watching it for decades and we have to stop being proud of it uh, because it does not work. Um, it's counterproductive. Uh, Republicans against Republicans is particularly, uh, I'll say disgraceful. Um, you know, everybody likes to think that negative, negative uh, advertising works. I'm not so sure whether it does or not. I know I won't be engaging in it, but, um, you know, I mean, each of the three of us bring certain strengths, and uh, you know, it, it will be up to you as voters to uh, determine which you think will be the most relevant uh, for the person sitting in the mayor's office. Um, but regardless, after May 7th, when, when the sun comes up on May 8th, we're still all on the same team. Thank you, Brad. Mr. Jones, 90 seconds. So uh, I don't disagree with either one of these guys. I think it's important that uh, we continue to be on the same team moving forward. Uh, I will tell you that, uh, you know, I will say that this has probably been the most mudslinging campaign that I have ever been a part of and or seen uh, in a long time here locally. I will tell you that I told each and every one of my uh, people that were in my camp to please do the right thing and to please not be making harsh, wrong, inappropriate comments. And, and unfortunately, uh, that has continued to happen from other camps. And so the only thing that I ask from a, from a Republican to, to another is to please just allow us to, to go off of principle, allow us to go off of policy, allow us to go out and try to gain the support that we're trying to gain in order to be successful at this. At the end of the day, we're going to have to have someone in that office to lead this community in the right direction. I just think it's very, very important. And so I will tell you, I pledge that, that no matter what happens in this Republican primary, I hope that those that, that whoever comes out of it, uh, those folks get behind them. And if I am not one, I will get behind whoever is the nominee. Thank you, Mr. Jones. There are 30 seconds available to anyone who wants to start with this question. Well, it, it certainly has been. Uh, when I ran for city council, it, it's a completely different world. Uh, running for mayor is, is uh, very different. And uh, I will tell you that I am not. And these are things that have been said. I, we got our dog from the animal shelter. I am not interested in killing dogs to balance the animal shelter budget. But that's the type of thing that gets out there. It's minor, I didn't respond to it, and is, there's no need to respond to it. Uh, it does happen, people say things. Thank you for an hour to write 30 seconds the reason it's important that on May we're all still on the same team is we're gonna have a bigger battle to fight and that's convincing enough Democrats or at least enough independents out there who are used to voting Democrat uh, that we need a Republican administration in our city government. Uh, we need not only a Republican mayor, we need a Republican city council. Uh, not that, Democrat, not that de Democrats can't be good city council members, they can be. Um, but there's a gravity. Okay. Thirty seconds. All right, Mr. Jones, to conclude.
Just to conclude, I will tell you that I do believe that I am the only candidate up here tonight that has the most bipartisan support throughout the entire community. When we talk about north, south, east, west, um, in most cases, I know someone uh, or have led someone or dealt with someone uh, from every aspect of the whole entire community. And so I just think it's important that we come together uh, from a city standpoint all together at the end of this to do what's right for this community. All right, Mr. Hills, and we thank you for that. We are now ready to move into closing statements. The uh, order for that will be Mr. Reidenauer, Mr. Jones, Mr. Bracken. And for this section, uh, according to the rules we all agreed to, closing statements are 90 seconds. Uh, same rules with the time. 90 seconds for everyone. Again, the order is Mr. Reidenauer, Mr. Jones, Mr. Bracken, Mr. Reidenauer. Here. Oh. Well, thank you, Nate. Nate. And thank you to all of you for being here tonight. Um, I hope you were able to gather some information about who we are as people, what we believe as individuals, what we believe as a party. And I think that's important. We are all together in this. And uh, we, in my opinion, we need someone who has, an ex has some experience, who has a financial background, and who has a great involvement in the community. Um, my involvement in the community has run everything from kickoff to kindergarten, uh, teaching five-year-olds how to hold forks, draw, write their names, uh, trace, cut paper, uh, and getting them ready for kindergarten, to my time on the board with Home Savers of Delaware County, where we do home repairs for seniors who are in poverty below the poverty line and therefore cannot do the repairs themselves. And we do that so that they can stay in their homes and not have to move to a facility. Uh, it's great for our community. And I'm proud of the fact that I'm very involved in a lot of areas outside of my professional career. I'm very proud of my professional career where I manage over 13 different offices uh, with Mutual Bank. Uh, and I sincerely ask all of you to look at the qualifications, decide who you want, and I hope that I'm the person. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Reidenauer. Mr. Jones is next. So I obviously want to thank uh, all three moderators uh, or question uh, personnel and, and moderators as well. And uh, I also want to thank all of you out here. You know, this is a, a very challenging type of situation when you sit up here in front of a whole entire crowd uh, and answer questions that you don't know that you're so always keep that in mind. The other thing that I, that I want to say is, is that, uh, you know, over the last 33 years of my life, uh, I was born and raised here. I, I grew up here. I made most of my friends here. Um, and, and I left for the military from here. Uh, I can tell you, when I come back from Afghanistan, I noticed the change that was happening then. Um, and, and it's unfortunate that we've gotten in the direction that we are. But I believe, from, from my viewpoint, that if you give me the opportunity to serve as your next mayor. I do believe that we can change this community for the better. I believe it's gonna take each and every one of us to, to come together to do that. I think we're gonna to have to be obviously honest, have some integrity, some personal courage, uh, and you gotta be respectful and disciplined at the same time. But we must bring everyone together to get this done for our community. And I just sincerely appreciate every one of you coming out tonight. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Jones. Mr. Brett. Thank you, Nate, uh, Ms. Jean-Rick, and Nate for, uh, for and, and the Delaware County Republican Party for bringing us all together tonight, and for all of you, of course, for being here. It's, uh, it's, 
it's an important election. Uh, Muncie doesn't really have all that many chances to uh, turn the ship around uh, because right now we're heading in the wrong direction. And I consider this to be critically important that Muncie get itself straight um, because otherwise we're just gonna keep losing jobs, we're gonna keep losing people, and a community like that gets into a downward spiral and it's very difficult to get out of it. Uh, as far as my qualifications, by training, I'm an engineer. I love to fix things. I love to look for problems and seek solutions. And that experience can be translated into city government. Uh, we have problems, there can be solutions. We need to bring different parties to the table, bring different skill sets to the table, and we can fix things. But it's gonna take some effort. Um, I'm also proud to say that I've been part of long-range planning on, on Ball State's strategic plan. Uh, many of the, of the decisions that have, have taken place on the Ball State campus over the last seven years I've had a role in. Uh, I've served on the finance committee, I've served on, on the audit committee, I'm comfortable with large numbers. Um, I know that, uh, that, that the number of zeros after Thank you. All right. I have promised all of you an opportunity to express your approval and appreciation. All right. That was the Republican Forum held at the Northside Middle School in Muncie, Indiana. You heard from your three Republican candidates for mayor of Muncie. Dan Reidenauer, Nate Jones, and Tom Bracken. The questions were developed by members of the Republican Party, both inside and outside of Delaware County. And essentially now, folks, it's your turn. You can take this forum and compare it with the answers that these individuals gave me during their one-on-one -on -one interviews. And then it's time to vote. You go into the polling place either for early voting or you walk in on Tuesday, May 7th, and you cast your vote. My name is Christopher Bilbury, and this is Perception is Reality. I've now given you all of the information that I can give through my interviews and my recording of their forums. Now the ball is in your court. Keep in mind, early voting is currently underway at the Delaware County courthouse on the first floor show up bring your id and election day will be from 6 a.m to 6 p.m on tuesday may 7th 2019 as always thanks for tuning in this has been perception is reality i'm christopher bilbury Perception. Perception is reality. Reality. Perception is reality. Reality. You've been listening to Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey. Bilbrey. Tune in, like, and subscribe at perception.fireside.fm. Hook up on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Bilbrey318 and on Twitter at PISRBilbrey. Email khbilbrey at gmail.com or get off your butt and call the show at 765-546-9796. Till next time, remember... 
Perception, Perception is, is reality. Reality. reality.